Thanks for checking out this episode of the Crucial Conversations podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure to speak with Zach Evanesh. Zach is the founder of the Underground Strength Gym and creator of the Underground Strength Coach Certification. Zach served as a strength and conditioning coach for Lehigh and Rutgers University's wrestling team, and he is also the author of the Encyclopedia of Underground Strength and Conditioning. Zach's website, YouTube page, and Instagram will be listed below. In this episode, Zach and I talked about how we can build more leaders in the strength and conditioning industry. Zach and I also talked about how we can put our focus on our athletes and not ourselves. We talked about growing up tough, building athletes into good people, working with today's youth, fatherhood, and life. Please check it out. Thanks. You started training in the 1980s, I believe, right? I you started were training, training with- in 89, mm-hmm. my man. Wow. Wow. 89. Yeah. And your brother actually kind of helped you and got you started with yeah. the, the, the training with the bodybuilding and you were in your parents' garage at that time. You know, when, when, so right now, this is like always a very nostalgic time for me. So it's right, right now it's the month of June. Mm-hmm. I started training in June of 1989. I started using oh, wow. my brother's he had a Joe Weider weight bench, you okay. know, with the leg extension and leg yes. curl attachment. Yeah. We had, uh, it was like a plastic barbell mm-hmm. and then the sand filled weights. Right. <laughs> had a couple of uh, spin lock barbells that you would spin wow. the collars on. Wow. And so he was two years old, like two and a half years older than me. Mm-hmm. He was very much into fitness. You know, okay. he would, he was very much into running, lifting, mm-hmm. anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we were kids, my dad got us a Doberman. And my brother started running the dog every morning before school, then every afternoon after school. Mm -hmm. And so my brother was kind of into that where I remember it took me time to get into that. I remember trying to like use the weights in sixth grade and I just, I didn't take to it. I I remember being bored. Then Mm -hmm. in seventh grade, I I trained for like two to three weeks (laughs) and then I stopped and I still remember, Kelvin, I still remember saying to myself, man, there's got to be something wrong with me. Like right. I can't, I can't work out for more than three weeks. Wow. Something's, something is wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And then eighth grade, it was like the beginning or the first week of June. It's like mm-hmm. two weeks before middle school is, is over. Mm-hmm. And I went downstairs into my brother's room and I opened Arnold's encyclopedia. Okay. And I, uh, <clears throat> I, can't, I think I just flipped it open and I saw a, a photo of him squatting. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the instructional photo of how to squat. Mm-hmm. So I, I started squatting and then I just followed his program, which was right. shoulders, legs, yeah. chest and back, shoulders right. and arms. Mm-hmm. And I got into this routine of come home from school mm-hmm. and lift the weights, go and wow. like exercise. And then like two weeks later, uh, this girl was like, oh my God, Zach, look at your <laughs> biceps. I had cut the sleeves off my Lord. shirt and uh, I was like, it's on. Right. <laughs> Tension. Although... We're married, um, and yeah. we don't get that type of attention. But yeah. when we work out, and now when our younger, when our athletes work out, they yes. can say, "Hey, coach, you know, they say I was looking good. You know, yeah. I'm looking in the mirror, and <laughs> I know you talk a lot about we need to build those muscles that we really cannot see internal. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so it's funny that you say that because you know that certainly evolved. And when you're young, that's, mm-hmm. how, that's how you're thinking. But for me, there was also a couple things there, Calvin, was mm-hmm. I was always the weakest kid in the neighborhood. 
Not that I got bullied, but I had I had gotten punched in the face enough times to know that I wasn't strong. And I was afraid of certain kids. Mm -hmm. I had gotten my bike stolen because the Mm -hmm. kids were bigger. And Mm -hmm. so there was something within me that was beyond bigger biceps. And so when I would look at Arnold's encyclopedia, those old black and white photos, they like they I felt like a movie was coming out of them. There was so much passion behind it and I just wanted to what is it like to be in the gym around people and be excited to train and you know uh, yesterday I gave a uh, I did like a consultation with University of Texas sports okay. performance department awesome. and so they were asking me what was like my one they're asking me a lot about my mistakes and mm-hmm. I said you know one of my biggest mistakes was in my early years I would talk to the kids only about winning only about more lifting more weight, jumping higher, throw further, run faster, only the sport outcome right. until we lost one of those kids to, he got murdered. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, it's, I look back and I said, all I spoke to that kid about was winning. Mm-hmm. I was never asking him about how things going at home, yeah. what's going on with college. How, what do we, what do you need me to do? How's, you know, you got a girlfriend, whatever that stuff is. And so I learned that, you know, that to me was like the big moment of this is so much more than being big and strong. But, you know, parents in the early days of me training their kids would would reach out to me and say such things of the confidence their kids got. Mm -hmm. One I remember was this mom, you know, their house had a pool and their Mm -hmm. kid was in high school. He would never take off his shirt in his own backyard, she said. So she said, you know, like, it's we've had this pool for five years. He took his shirt off. You know, his brother had his friends over. He had friends over. She's like, I don't even recognize my son. She's like, not only does he have this physique, she's like, but he's got confidence. He knows how to speak to people. So when I hear that stuff, I'm like, okay. You know, sports and strength and conditioning is just the vehicle mm-hmm. for life because eventually that all ends. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. It all ends. And right. so, you know, I still try to figure out, like, what, how did I lose a kid? You know, mm-hmm. we've lost a kid. He, we lost his life. Sometimes we lose kids. If I'm at a university, they transfer mm-hmm. out. And right. I wonder, where did I lose that kid? Where right. did I not connect right. with him deeper than just the weights? Right. And so the weights – and the fitness and the exercise, Calvin, mm-hmm. it's just a vehicle it is. for life. It is. It is. I think it's funny you mentioned that because Dan John and I talked about that. I love and we, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we talked about everyone is the same under the barbell. Everyone's the same under the barbell. But going further, we also talked about how can we as coaches become better leaders. Yeah. And I think in an age with social media, we have to put our content on there. But at the same time, when do we get away or when should we get away from social media to actually leading these athletes, leading the coaches so we don't lose players with everything that's going on now? Yes. We're we're losing. We're in a losing battle. So we have to gain trust with everybody. So how, how can we be better, better leaders? It's, look, I'm the last guy that's going to say I'm a great leader. I'm a good leader. I just feel like I'm. At the end of the day, I always ask myself, did the way I coach, did the things I do, can I share it with wife and kids to make them proud? And I, I kind of have this tagline of like, 
the minimum effective dose in coaching mm -hmm. is changing lives. Right. And so now I make it a point to talk much more about, guys, this is the workout we're doing. We're prepping for soccer. We're prepping for football. I talk to them about excellence in all areas of life. I say, mm -hmm. it's not good enough to do a great job here in the weight room, but then your teacher tells me, you don't listen. You don't sit up front. You don't pay attention. You're disrespectful. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, the, these old values, the golden rule of treat others the, the way you wish to be treated, right. I think is as simple as that. And when I think of a leader, I don't necessarily think of somebody who's always in charge. Exactly. And so um, I got a good friend. He's in your area. He's in Alexandria, Virginia. So like 20 okay. minutes south of D.C., right? Is that like okay, 20 yes. minutes? Yeah, it is. He's, you know, I'm interviewing him tomorrow. It's going to be okay. his first like real podcast. <laughs> He's really laid kind of mm -hmm. under the radar. But when I right. think of him, when mm -hmm. I mention his name or just mm -hmm. think of him, mm -hmm. I want to be better. Wow. And to me, that's the kind of leader he is. Mm -hmm. and, or that's a leader. Like, right. he makes you better. He's mm -hmm. not just um, dishing out the right. information, telling exactly. you how to do this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he, he says so many things that are always profound that makes me, you know, think of things. But he's uh, a former Navy SEAL. Okay. We call him Quattro Deuce. He was the 42nd black active Navy SEAL. Oh, wow. Okay? Wow. So he tells me this story. He told me this story. This story always, like, it just, like, hits my heart. So he said to me when he was going through Bud's training, mm -hmm. they start off with this crazy obstacle course. And he's like, man, I ran marathons. I ran ultra marathons. I'm zipping through the obstacle course, ja -ja -ja, climbing walls up and down the ropes. He's like, no problem. He's right. like, then... They send us in the water. We got the water like tread water test. And it's just to see who's going to quit. And so he says he, he's very animated. He's like, I'm swimming. <laughs> I'm swimming. I'm treading <laughs> the water. The guys around me are swimming. There's like 110, 120 guys mm -hmm. start off in buds. When they graduate, it's like the teens or the low mm -hmm. 20s. Right. So there's like a 90% failure, 90 plus percent failure. He's like, this guy gives up. That guy gives up. He's like, I start getting tired. I'm getting tired. He's like, I'm going under. I'm going under. I get, he's like, I give up. And uh, one of the Bud's instructors was a black man. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Zach, you know black men can't swim. <laughs> so he, goes, he, get, he, he says, there's like three, three black guys going through Bud's. Mm -hmm. Pulls us out. And he says, he says, you guys think this is about you? Mm -hmm. You think this is about you're tired swimming? Mm -hmm. He's like, this is bigger than you. I go, what do you mean? What does he mean it's bigger than you? He's like, he meant a couple of things. He meant, number one, we were focused on ourselves. Mm. We were focused on being tired of swimming, and so we gave up. He goes, but if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you're doing it to do something bigger than you. You're doing it to serve and protect your country. Mm. He goes, that's number one. He goes, number two, my, one of the instructors was a black man. He goes, I'm a black man. He told us that this is bigger than us. This is for our community yeah. of men. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of black men that become Navy SEALs. Right, exactly. I said, so what happened? He's like, we did the swim test again, and I passed. Awesome. He goes, because I took the focus off myself. Mm -hmm. And so when he said that to me, I realized, like, that's what the leader does. The leader is willing 
to go through the suffering and the pain mm. because he or she is helping others. They're going to mm. carry others. And so what I learned from that was I would share it with the kids. Mm. I would say, you might be tired. You might have tough stuff going on at home. There could be all these things going on. But during those times, I just want you to take the focus off yourself and help the guy or the girl next to you. Right. And then you're going to lead them through right. a tough time. And then because you're helping them, you realize you got to elevate your game. And uh, that is essentially, you know, when I heard that from him, it's from the Navy SEAL quote, ready to lead, mm -hmm. ready to follow, never quit. Right. So with the Navy SEALs, sometimes you're the leader. Right. Sometimes you're the follower. Mm -hmm. but when you're following, it's not that you're blindly following. Right. following. You're fo everybody's a leader. That's what the leader does is the leader creates more leaders. So you might have an expertise in this area. I'll follow you for that. You're the guy. You want the ball? I'm with you. Right. I have an expertise in this area. I get the ball. Come on. Right. I'll carry you on my back during exactly. this time. And exactly. so, look, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> but I know this. I know it's not just about the points on the scoreboard or the Correct. weights lifted. Correct. It's the ability to utilize strength and conditioning as the vehicle to change their life, not just for the short term that they're with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm full-time at a high school. Before this, I was at a college. Right. They're with you for four years, maybe five years in college. Mm -hmm. But if you do it right, you impact them for the rest of your life. So right. yeah. that's, to me, the leader builds more leaders. And mm -hmm. you're looking yeah. at something, it's got to be bigger than you. And look, in the beginning, I didn't know anything about that stuff, Kelvin. In the beginning, I knew how to like help athletes win more titles, win more championships. And uh, I'll tell you what, now I'm like having this memory of questioning myself of like, how can we have so many kids that win so much in high school, but then they don't compete in college? And then as the years went on, we had kids that maybe didn't win at these high, high levels. Right. But then they continued to compete in college mm -hmm. and surpassed, you know, right. what they were, what yeah. they did in like, they were kind of like, they started as average. They became good. They went on to be great. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I realized that my coaching was just less focused on the sport itself mm -hmm. and more about how can you challenge yourself? How can you take your inner strength right. and now impact others and help others? Right. Yeah. And so... It's to me, you know, being a leader, I think a lot of people, especially now, mm -hmm. we, I feel like we, I've never seen, we're at such a divide. It's so heartbreaking to see that in this country. It's like so heartbreaking that we as coaches need to give these kids the confidence and the strength mm -hmm. to simply be good people. Right. You know, what's that yeah. saying? Hurt people, hurt, hurt people, people. Yeah. right? And so uh, I look at it like this. I don't care what the color of your skin is, what mm -hmm. your religion is. Right. Um, and you said it about the weight room too. I can't, are you a good, are you nice, or are you not nice? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about the weight room is it doesn't mm -hmm. discriminate. I would tell mm -hmm. the kids, I go, guys, here's the beauty of the weight room. Weight room doesn't matter. doesn't care mm -hmm. about the money in your bank account, the car you sure. drive, the color <laughs> of your skin. The sure, weight room never discriminates. The only thing the weight room cares about is your effort. So mm -hmm. you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So it doesn't play a favor to you 
of the color of your skin or the right. money you got in your pocket. And exactly. so that's the beauty of the weight room. It's like we're all equal when we're in there. Mm -hmm. And it's like you're either putting in the work or you're not. And in this world, yeah. I look at it like, hey, man, you're either good, trying to put some good and some love mm -hmm. into this world, or you're not. There's not a whole lot of middle yeah. ground there. It's You're yeah. kind of an either or. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, I, yes, yes, I agree. I think as coaches, we are shifting, strength coaches and coaches, we're shifting, as you mentioned, from the training aspect to almost the life aspect. If you're, if you're really like Johnny Parker, legendary NFL strength coach, he said this to me. I interviewed him like a year ago. Okay. He said, Zach, good coaches coach weights. Great coaches coach people. And I was like, oh, that's what I just think about. Right. And so, look, there's a lot of good coaches out there that could teach a power clean way better exactly. than us. And they could, you know, recite yeah. Prilpin's chart and right. Satsiorsky yeah. and super training. Mm -hmm. But they're not connecting with the kids. Yeah. And I was equally guilty of that, of just we being, yeah, I'm about the training. I'm about winning. Right. And, uh you know, some of the kids I love, some of the kids that I love, they don't succeed the yeah. most in sport. But you know what? They get to a good college. They do good stuff. Like being a great athlete is like this little piece of the puzzle. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And kids nowadays, as we lead them, and I, I was listening to some of your podcasts, and I, and I agree that the kids today now – I don't want to say soft, but they need a lot of work. <laughs> dude, my kid, my own kids need a lot. I just kicked my kid out. I said, dude, it's like 80 plus degrees. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Get off that computer before yeah. I destroy it. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to yeah. sledgehammer the computer, right. man. Exactly. So, so how can we build so we can talk about fatherhood and yep. raising our raising our kids outside of coaches, but how can we build the kids in the weight room to be, to have the mental mindset, the mental toughness, to be strong as we were coming up in the era that we came up. Yeah. You came up, um, you came from, you were born in Israel? Um, born in Israel. We moved to the Israel. Bronx when I was 11 months old. Right. Mm -hmm. Then I think at age four, we moved to Edison, New Jersey, right. which is like super multicultural. You're, mm -hmm. we're, there's, you know, I taught in Edison two years ago. I taught there mm -hmm. from 98 to 09. Right. And I went back in 2017, 2018, something like that. Right. Edison is white, black, Asian, Indian, um, refugees, mm -hmm. you know, immigrants. We right. got government housing. We got projects. We got blue collar. We got right. everything. Mm -hmm. It's like the most multicultural place right. with people from all walks of life. Right. You know, to me, it was tough growing mm -hmm. up in Edison. And I think. We grow up tough, and then we're like, man, I don't want my kid to struggle like I did. So then you try to move somewhere that's quote-unquote right. nice, less dangerous. Nobody's right. going to punch my kid in the face for his lunch bag. Nobody's going to yeah. steal his bike. And then you realize, man, the struggle is what made me tough and what mm -hmm. helps me be a better parent, exactly. a better fill-in-the-blank. Right. And so we need to – 
we can't thrust them in. We, we can't tell our kids, hey, man, that's it. I'm taking you back to where I grew up. It's, right. it's not like that. My wife grew up in an apartment complex. I used to hang out in that apartment all the time. Okay. People stealing bikes. I remember seeing kids get beat up. Like It was all around us. My son, right. nobody's ever punched him in the face. You know, yeah. the kids today, if they get quote unquote bullied, it's through mm. Snapchat or something. Right. And so what these kids need is they, we need to make the training tough mm. so that they learn to overcome. Right. And you know what sometimes is, is the simplest thing being tough? Showing up. Sure. Like I, if you don't show up, you know, forget it. You're not, right. for, you're not tough. You right. could be a badass for two weeks, then you mm. disappear for a month. You're mm. weak. That's soft. Right. I need you to show up when you're busy, when the cards are stacked against you. Mm -hmm. And so that is the element I really try to push for kids. It's as simple as this. You know, we lose a lot of athletes during the sports season. So mm -hmm. a kid plays football, parents are like, oh, the football season, like we have to stop. Like they get crazy. Like the world is ending. Right. And it's like, listen, let's just have Calvin sign up once a week and mm -hmm. show up for 25 to 30 minutes. And, and that, like, breaks them emotionally. Right. And I'm like, man, like, that would be like, you know, my boss saying, Zach, can you one day a week just stay after another 25 minutes? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I can't do it. He'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Exactly. 25 minutes one day a week. And so those little things are actually yeah. big. They create big change. And so I, I'm very careful of not trying to kind of do these extreme things right. i look at it like inch by inch brick mm -hmm. by brick get them uncomfortable okay you're right. showing up once a week that's a hundred percent more than zero right. oh you're skipping breakfast listen man i don't care what you eat in the if it's a pop tart you're right. eating something it's better than nothing right. let's start with eating breakfast and so right. we need to find these little pieces of the puzzle mm -hmm. to yeah. sneak into their overall life right. to, to get them better and so right. You know, if you were asking me 10 years ago, Zach, how do we get these kids tough? I'd be telling you about pushing trucks, sprinting mm. hills, you know, crazy circuit training. But mm. that stuff breaks them. And I even remember, like, when I was at Rutgers, you know, I'm, I'm really close to the head associate coach there. And he's an intense guy. Mm. And he told me when he was coaching at Michigan, he's like, Zach, sometimes I was so intense with the kids, I broke them. He's like, yeah. they, it just shut them down. Yeah. He's like, you can't be that intense with them. He's like, right. you have to, it's like, you got to bring them in. You have to find out what matters to them. Mm. You got to, mm. you got to yeah. just, you got to learn who the kid is right. outside of his or her soccer and basketball right. and softball, because then they think you're just, you're just external. You're just right. training the person for a faster 40 meter, right. 40 yard right. dash. Right. And so, when you're working with kids, you know, going back to that Johnny Parker quote, mm -hmm. you know, great coaches coach people. So right. you got to find out how are things going on at home? Yeah. How's school going? I work full time at a high school. And so during the uh, lunchtime, I go into the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. I go and sit down with the hockey right. players. Right. I sit down with the baseball players. I go to, there's like multiple cafeterias. Right. Right. I go to the other one. I see okay. the girls from the soccer team, the field. You know, right. they, they're like, man, Coach Evanesh cares. I'm showing up. Mm -hmm. If they think you're just about the lifting. Right. And right. you know what's interesting is when, when this, younger, this younger generation, I'm talking even through college, and even mm -hmm. me as a 44-year-old adult, adult mm -hmm. 
I want to make certain people in my life proud, you know? And so kids really want to make the people who care about them proud. They don't want to let you down. And so when you're making an effort and showing them how much you care, they they don't want to let you down. It's like it feels, they feel bad. They don't want to tell you they skipped breakfast. They want to have some good news to share with you. And so, you know, that's the art of coaching. And look, every day, Kelvin, I, I... I fail. Every day I fail. Every day I learn something about how to get better. Right. Yeah. And I think kids, they don't respond to the intense yeah. ways that I once right. had. I'm still mm-hmm. intense. I'm still getting mm-hmm. pretty fired up. Right. But I always close it out with a positive. Yeah. Exactly. You finish, you finish on a positive. And I learned yeah. that. Oh, who taught me that? Finish on a positive. It, it was, I think it was like a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, when, when I taught at the elementary school and, um, you know, at the elementary school, the kids want phys ed, you know, they're ages six to 11. They're just babies. You know, my son turns 12 this weekend, but age six is a baby. You know, if Mm -hmm. a kid does something bad, you give him a little warning, talk about why that was wrong. Okay. Then you give the kid a hug. Right. Right. You finish on the positive or let's say the kid's having a real bad day and it's like three warnings. All right. Mm -hmm. Three strikes. You got to sit out. Right. You make them sit for like two minutes. Mm -hmm. They watch the other kids play two minutes. Yeah. Then you say, Kelvin, you think you could do a good job? You think you could be a great listener? I know you could be a great listener, but I need you. Do you think you could do it? Yes, Mr. Right. Evans, I could do it. Right. All right, my man, listen, I love you. Sometimes we have bad days. Get in there and right. play. Right. You finish. Yeah. You always finish on the positive. Right. And yeah. that's like, you know, so yeah. you can give them a little tough love. All right. they need is an ounce of it, but yeah. you finish on a positive. And I think in my early years, I was nuts. I used to kick kids out of the gym. I didn't mm-hmm. give a second chance. Yeah. Listen, when I was a kid, I was pretty dumb. <laughs> I was not the most coachable, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so these kids need more than three chances. Sometimes right, you yeah. got to give them a hundred chances. Yeah, you got to keep yeah. opening it. You got to keep opening up your arms back to them to let right. them, to let them come back in. Right. And uh, you know, so, <clears throat> sometimes we yeah. lose kids mm-hmm. because you just right. have to find a different way to communicate. Right. And it's kind of like it's a numbers when you're coaching yeah. thousands of kids every year. You're not going to win them all. That's right. the unfortunate reality. Right. It's yeah. kind of heartbreaking. Right. right, yeah. And and that's the goal, finding the right way to communicate. I know when I was the strength coach at some high schools, I was really hardcore because they weren't listening. They were they were coming in to the weight room. They didn't, they didn't eat anything. They didn't eat lunch. They wanted to hang out and talk to the girls. Yeah. You know, so we only have... 15 minutes left in the session, I just, and I understood, but, you, you know, you're a middle school, high school athlete, you want to get better, but then when it got to my son, as a father and trying to separate the coach from the father, I'm looking as like, for example, my religion, I'm a Christian, I'm looking the way Jesus loved me, and I have to love my son, my family, my athletes, that same that same way. So I'm learning how to take the coach hat off, although I'm a coach, but put the father hat on with oh, all yeah. of my athletes, especially my own. And it's, it's, it's a struggle because <laughs> it's, hard, man. It, it, it's the life. <laughs> life is tough. And, yeah. you know, I always said, I'd rather, you know, get in your face before a police 
officer do or someone else do. That's why we have you in wrestling or I tell my athletes, that's why you're doing this. That's why I'm talking to you this way. But in the end, I've learned to embrace them, to hug them and to say, hey, we can hit it another day. So now I will see some of my athletes in Chick-fil-A. I'll see a lot of my athletes in, in mm. the store. They'll be like, hey, Coach King, what's going on? And yep. you remember these days. So I do see how a positive approach to my athletes and as being a dad to my son has really changed things. Listen, you know what I said to the coaches yesterday at a University of Texas? And they were pretty young. You know, the mm. director, Donnie Mabe, He's a little, I'm 44, I think Donnie's mm -hmm. 50 or something mm -hmm. like that. And, but I think the majority of the staff was in their 20s. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I said, whether you like it or not, you're the father and the mother when these kids come to university, yeah. especially yeah. the freshmen. They're living in a dorm, yeah. whereas the sophomores and older kids have an apartment with their teammates. Mm -hmm. They're in a dorm. They've left their parents. You are not just a strength coach. You're the mother. You're the father. They may have never had a mother or father. You're the mother or father. I know that's weird. You're like 24-year-old coach, <laughs> but you have to be their mother or father. And, you know, you mentioned your son. I, 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 this is the message I give to our coaches, you know, that uh, we've got two, two locations, is I mm -hmm. tell them this. I go, I know you, one of our coaches, she, she has a baby daughter, you know. She's mm -hmm. like six months old. But the others are not parents. And I say, here's what you got to make pretend. You're coaching a group. Now I want you to step outside of your body and make mm -hmm. pretend your kid is in that group. And you're looking at the group. You're seeing what the coach is doing. What right. would you like that coach to do? Right. Is the coach only going to talk about how to deadlift? You know, mm -hmm. or you're a sport coach. I pay attention to, you know, my daughter plays a lot of tennis. Okay. Does this sport coach only talk to my daughter about how to swing and how to do the forehand? And mm -hmm. Are you going to start talking to her about life? Right. You know, are you going to talk to her about something that's, this is tennis, this is the mm -hmm. surface. Can mm -hmm. you get something a little bit deeper than that? What about my son, right. these baseball coaches? Yeah. How do you want your child to be coached? And that's how you got to coach these kids. And so when people say, Zach, why, where do you have all this energy? I go, number one, I love these kids. Even the kid that makes me nuts. I love that right, kid. Right, yeah. Number two, I pretend that that's my son or my daughter. And I need to give them all my energy. I don't care if it's the end of the night and I didn't mm -hmm. eat and I argued with my wife and blah, blah, blah. Right. I, those, it doesn't matter. Nobody mm -hmm. cares about what happened to me. This is their time. I'm exactly. pretending it's my kid. I'm going to just pour my heart and soul into it. Right. And I'll tell you what, coach, that takes some toughness. That takes yeah. grit as a coach and some of the younger coaches who are maybe half our age, they don't have that grit because they can't, they're like how I was and you were in our younger years. Win, move more weight, get a PR, squat heavier. They're exactly. thinking about that. They're not thinking about like what's in the heart of that kid that, you know, they're, and look, right. it takes time. It takes time. Here I am, you know, I, the first person I coached was like 1995 or 96. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I got a job at a hospital fitness center. Okay. So I was a 19-year-old, maybe, I think, yeah, I was 19. I wasn't even 20. And I started coaching people, you know, mm -hmm. adults. And right. so it's taken me decades to figure yeah. it out, man. And I'm yeah. still figuring yeah. it out. I still yeah. mess it up every day. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, and I do think, 
now we hear what's the best certification to take, et cetera. And mm -hmm. I think it should be along with what's the best book to read. And there are many, you know, like yeah. yours, but how can we be better people and better okay. coaches to these athletes? And of course, in the end, numbers matter but life matters the most <laughs> Very true. And, and 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 i think that's the thing where a lot of um coaches like ourselves are starting to get to and some of the season coaches were starting to realize that now where as you said you told your your staff hey you have to look outside yourself and look at these as you know your son or daughter brother or 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 sister yeah i yeah. need to if i'm going to uh yeah like like my buddy Quattro Deuce said, Quattro Deuce, it's got it's bigger than you. It ain't about you. Oh, I'm tired, so I'm gonna quit. No, man, I'm gonna carry you. This is exactly this, and it, you know now what's interesting is whenever I work at some place, I get this like immense pride. When I was at Lehigh, I just I like loved Lehigh, loved the kids. Then I get to Rutgers. I love it. I'm a Scarlet Knight. You know now I'm at a high school where you know our our mascot is the eagle. It's called a war eagle. Okay. And I'm like, man, dude, we are war eagles, and we right. gotta take we gotta take right. pride in this. Right. Take exactly. pride in the name that's on the yeah. back of your shirt right. when you're playing, mm -hmm. and the family that you represent. Exactly. It's uh, it takes us a lot of time. You know, I one guy I learned from a lot. I started learning from him in the early 2000s when I really got like full time into it. Dwayne Carlisle. Do you know who mm -hmm. Dwayne is? I do. I do. So Dwayne's amazing. I mean. Just like the way he speaks, it's like mm -hmm. he always gets you like you're like yeah. hanging on. You're like, right. He's like, like <laughs> Yeah, he'd be like, Calvin, yeah. Wanna know what's important? And then he just said, <laughs> pause. You're just like waiting. But right. he spoke about when he was coaching his kids, because mm -hmm. Dwayne was a division one athlete. He's been mm -hmm. a strength coach at the division one level, the NFL right. level. He's a beast. Right. He came up with the sixty minute rule where like he mm -hmm. couldn't give his kids feedback after their track and field or their mm. football or baseball. Mm. <laughs> so the, the car ride home was a pleasant ride versus like, Kelvin, you know what you did? You know, Kelvin, you hit that home run, but mm. he's like, we got, he's like my wife. He said his wife gave him that. He's like, it's a 60 minute rule. Wow. You can't talk about the sport. For yeah. sixty minutes, or at the dinner table. <laughs> I was like, man, your wife is smart, my man. But you know, when I first listened to his interviews in the early two thousands, you know, he also he wasn't speaking about that. His kids were babies. You know, he was speaking about speed and how to get faster and how to be strong. And so that's how we all start. We all are starting with this kind of like sport performance then we start realizing man this is way bigger and way more important yeah. than sport and i also think too you know what i think helps is uh you know i did you grow up in dc calvin i did yes dc's got some tough areas i'm right am i right yeah i actually grew up in one of the tough areas in southeast washington dc so dc yeah. <laughs> dc having tough areas and Edison is mm -hmm. is pretty bad now. Edison right. was tough when I grew up, but now it's really it's it's really bad. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you're a coach and then your first job is at a university, you got this multi million dollar weight room. Everything's so mm -hmm. perfect. Right. You don't even know how to fight for anything. And then it's very yeah. hard for you to teach a kid how mm -hmm. to fight for anything. You know, my first 
you know, quote unquote gym was the garage of my parents' mm -hmm. house. Right. It was like cinder blocks mm -hmm. and two pairs of dumbbells and a squat right. stand and then right. stones in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And so I've always loved not having the perfect setup because mm -hmm. I always felt like all of that right. comfort, all of that right. perfection, it actually yeah. hinders the athlete's yeah. performance because they're so used to being pampered. Yeah. They got all this technology and like, listen, hey, before you train, your, your special workout gear is going to be laid out for you. You don't even got to touch it. There's an assistant who puts it out for you. And yeah. it's like, I don't, what is this? Like, I don't yeah. got to fight for nothing. Right. And look, that's why people who come from nothing who have to fight out of it, mm -hmm. like, it's easy for them to succeed yeah. in those, you know, in that movie Pursuit of Happiness right. with Will Smith. Mm -hmm. He yeah. had to fight so hard for that Correct. job. Correct. You know? Because everybody quit, but he had right. grown up fighting. He was used to having right. to, like, earn it. And right. so what do we, you know, my buddy Joe DeSena owns Spartan Race. Mm -hmm. And why does he do tough things with his kids? Mm -hmm. Joe grew up in Queens. You know, he mm -hmm. watched his neighbors get arrested or get murdered. Right. You know, they were all part mm -hmm. of the mob. Mm -hmm. So he's like, now I moved to Vermont. He's like, everything's so perfect. Right. Got yeah. A refrigerator filled up with food at all times, you know, yeah. everything's so comfortable. He's like, that's why you have to fabricate discomfort in your life because yeah. comfort is yeah. the enemy. Right, exactly. And I, I agree in a way we're going post-quarantine, post-COVID. Post I mean, it's still yeah. out there, but the gyms are opening back up, schools, sports. Training is never is never going to be the same, and like you said, people had the chance to operate in discomfort, and they did because they couldn't get to the gym. But going back to the gym, kids going back to the gym, it's it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be laid out. So, and I know that you and I, you more big on you know the odd objects, etc. Yeah, like that, I and I it. think yeah, I, I do too, and I think that's where. The, the fitness industry training it needs to go. Yeah, they can have the the um, the clubs for the for the elderly population, but I think those the kids and those that are mm -hmm. able should be able to put a sandbag on their shoulder and walk around a building <laughs> or run with it, or you know, or pick up a, a a stone, you know, and not be so comfortable to go into a gym where it's no no air conditioning or or do work on the playground. Yeah. And Listen, that's why I try to encourage easy. my son. Right, exactly. It's too easy. And life is not it's not easy. The gym is air conditioned. Then right. after my set, I'm not even going to get off the bench. I'm going to pull my phone out of my pocket and lay on the bench. And, I, you know, I, I've seen it because I, when I was taking yeah. my daughter to tennis two years ago, when I was working mm -hmm. far away at a school, okay. it was like an hour and a half sometimes commute. So I couldn't even train at my own gym. So I'd take my daughter to tennis. I'd go to like a local gym, a crunch gym. Even this one gym, it was like quote unquote hardcore. Right. People were on their phones. People were, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so now, you know, you're right. The quarantine forced people to kind of start training with cinder blocks and make right. their sandbags yeah. and pushing trucks. I didn't do it in those early 2000s because I was locked out of a gym right. or I was desperate. Exactly. Right. I did it because I was like, man, this stuff gets you tough and it, it gets does. you strong mm -hmm. and not just physically tough, but right. you start right. getting this 
like confidence that you didn't have before you get like, man, I got some swagger because you are going through tough things every day. And so I hope people continue with it. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, the gyms are looking pretty wild with all the plastic dividers up. I mean, but there's not a whole lot of social aspect in the gyms anymore because, you know, the gyms don't play music because everybody's got their AirPods in. So how can I talk? That used to be my very like I used to look forward to that as a kid mm. that I could go to the gym and I could talk to the older guys who would mentor me and share some training tips with yeah. me yeah. but if everybody had their headphones on I don't yeah. think I would be excited to go to the gym I looked I I became friends with all these guys at the gym mm. then I would go and speak to the guy working behind the juice bar and do my homework right. there exactly. it was the yeah. conversations and the camaraderie right. and now that stuff's that's thus MIA, man. It's missing yeah. in action. Right. And I think by getting back training outside, away from the gym, that's where everyone will kind of get back to that community. Um, because I try to encourage my son, because I do strongman training so and do competitions, um, something new just so I can kind of show him yeah. and keep my body in shape. Um, and I get a lot of my athletes, they look at my husband, I'm like, coach, what are you doing? What are you lifting, <laughs> lifting this stuff? And I said, hey, you know, I got to stay competitive. But I think by getting back outside training, um, and I do a lot of stuff, and I have my son do it as well, it's, 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 it's feeling that way. It's, it's, it's not an arrogant, almost like a swag that's saying, you know, I'm a little bit tough. I, I can do it. I can push through anything. And that's the mindset that I want him to have and a lot of my athletes coming up in this world today. And I think that's the, the future of, of training moving forward. Not to get back. Well, people are going to do bench press. They're going to do the stuff in the gym. But the odd object training, because it builds toughness, it, it's, it's, it's life. It's almost like a life sport. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's, you're, listen, you're training for life. You mentioned your son, which reminds me of when we moved, we moved to this house 10 years mm-hmm. ago in a few months. So my son okay. was like a year and a half. Okay. And so in the garage, I had a climbing rope, rings, mm-hmm. kettlebells. Right. And so my kids would see me, you know, outside, mm-hmm. farmer walking bells, right. sprinting, exactly. and then they'd climb the rope. And then they'd right. take the mat outside and like stand on their head and do like, right. you know, forward rolls. Yeah. They thought it was normal Mm -hmm. to do hard things and also kind of what you're saying, like, I'm sure you notice it, your son, your your kids look at you like, man, it's my, they think you're a superhero when you're lifting weights. They look at you like you could lift a house, you know? And so those stories to me, I love, you know, you mentioned Dan John earlier, the, the uh, staff yesterday at University of Texas asked me about books I recommend. Mm -hmm. I, I told him a lot of Dan John's books. I love, you know, Easy Strength, but my favorite book of his was um, Never Let Go. You're right. Because yeah. it, it, it really inspired me with my own book because it was mm-hmm. like, oh, these ain't no, like, perfectly organized chapters. And I remember right. him talking about <clears throat> seeing Robbie Robinson training mm-hmm. in the gym, but then right. seeing him out on the beach doing sand sprints. Right. And he said, we walked on the beach for, like, 30 minutes, and Robbie was like, look, man, you can't go wrong with, like, benching, pull-ups, power cleans, hill sprints. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, you know, he was just talking about basics. Right. So when I first started training out of my garage, I had a 300-pound barbell set, mm-hmm. squat stands, 
right. a pair of 50 and a pair of 100 pound dumbbells than the outdoors. Right. And like, you could get strong. Exactly. Like, you could get cool. Exactly. You can develop performance and mindset with just right. these basic elements. Yeah, and exactly. then, of course, you know what I told people with this quarantine in the beginning? I said, look, everybody could sprint, everybody mm -hmm. could do push ups. You right. want to really step it up? Go push the car, go push the mm -hmm. truck, go to an empty parking lot, put it in neutral, push right. three to five mm -hmm. sets, 100 to 200 feet. How many people push the car and truck? I don't know. They, everybody wants what's, oh, I got to drive there. Like, yeah, man, yeah. you got to do a little something to, you right. know, it's, right. you got to earn it. That's right. it. You know, let's go back, you know, let's, let's not uh, ignore what's going on. I, like I said, I haven't had any conversations or podcasts on this, mm -hmm. you know, topic with kind of the divide of our country. Right. But I think you're just be a good person, man. Right. That's it. Treat others the way you want to be treated. I'm yeah. still confused when I see people not treating other people well, nicely, yeah. you know, and that's it, man. And if you're a coach out there, the minimum effective dose is changing lives. Yeah. And I think this should be like an episode people have to re-listen to. Because right, sometimes yeah. as coaches, you know, uh, you, get, you get tired because you're pouring all your energy right. into people. Right. Yeah. And uh, you're like, your court, your, you know, your right. hormones are going, your yeah. cortisone dump. Yeah. It's like cortisol dump. It's right. exhausting. Right. And sometimes yeah. you need to remind yourself why you're coaching. Right. And that helps you come back and have a like more energy as a coach yeah yeah and i do think it's um important as to have these conversations with other coaches because i think podcasting for strength and conditioning coaches are taking off now and i and i think it's it's the relationship builder so i was thinking the other day conference versus podcast and to be honest i'd rather do a podcast and do a podcast with multiple people. I know the conferences are, are great, but I think with the podcast, you can be more personable. You can be more intimate um, and then talking offline, et cetera. It's et cetera. You know what the thing is with the in-person stuff? Well, now traveling is very difficult right. yeah. with all this COVID stuff and you have to right. quarantine if you go to another yeah. state. Um, but people are used to technology and we can't yeah. deny that. They want fast, immediate yeah. access to yeah. things. You know, you're in D.C., I'm in New Jersey. Somebody right. in Nebraska or Los right. Angeles or San Francisco or Phoenix, right. they want to, they don't want to have to. I'll tell you what, I got two kids. I don't like when I have to travel. Right. I don't. I'm a big, I'm a big homebody. I like right. to go to the gym or do the coaching and come right. home and have dinner and see my wife and kids. Exactly. You know, I, I, I do see other coaches traveling a lot. And I'm like, man, if I don't think they have kids. I could never leave my kids right. for that long. So, yeah. you know, if I do traveling, I'm integrating my family and we're right. doing it, it together it. as a right. team. Right, right. As a team. As a team. All right, well, thank you, Coach. Um, thank you, thank coach. you so much for everything, great. everything you've done for the industry. Thank and this you. was a great conversation. Like you said, people that they should re-listen um, because it's, yes. it's not your average conversation. And, and, and that's my goal. I know that's your goal. And moving forward um yes yeah. so, that's it man changing yeah. lives that's the minimum right. effective dose